0: We pre-sold almost a million dollar worth of fragrance, which is, by the way, record breaking. The second largest campaign, I think, is around $60,000 for a fragrance. And we pre-sold it without anybody ever smelling it.
1: My name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in-person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to turn an influencer business into a scalable product business, what this business does to get a 30% repeat purchase rate, and the pros and cons of working with family members. Before our show, I wanted to tell you about our free store setup guide. If you're new to Shopify, in the process of setting up your store, or wanting to fine-tune it even more, our team has created a free step-by-step guide to show you how to make your ideal store a reality. For the complete free Shopify store setup guide, visit shopify.com guide today I'm joined by Camille Bank from Fragrance One. Fragrance One creates the highest quality fragrance for any situation, so you can get endless compliments throughout your day. And we started in 2018 and based out of both Germany and Florida. Welcome, Camille. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so before the business, before Fragrance One started, tell us about the backstory about, about how you and your brother kind of started this business and the idea behind it.
0: Yeah, so um, it kind of started on a very different end. I personally, I started, my background is in industrial engineering. And after graduating from university, I moved to Hawaii out of all places. And then my brother, um, he's four years younger than me. He came out to visit me, and he kind of got inspired by the American lifestyle, even though I was kind of a beach bum at that time. (laughs) But he saw the possibilities, so uh, instead of uh, going to university, he started uh, even earlier than me to become an entrepreneurial type and then um i think it was around 2014 when he started uh, after many other things uh, a youtube channel that revolves around fragrances so that's uh, the initial seed that was planted back then
1: that's amazing so when the youtube channel got started did it take off quickly like what what, what was what was the kind of growth of the channel
0: Yeah, that was actually surprising to me because I was following uh, some YouTubers back then already, and I thought it might be really difficult, uh, even in 2014, I'm not even talking about today, to grow a channel organically. And um, he did find a formula that kind of set him apart, and that was that he was focusing on people's reactions to the compliments, meaning there were fragrance reviewers before, and they were all talking about, uh, the association with the fragrance and the ingredients, obviously the backstory, but what people really care about is what we noticed is that the compliment factor, he went out and asked people in the streets, like, how would you rate this fragrance from one to 10? And, you know, that's really what set him apart. And within the first, I think three or four months, he went up to 60,000 subscribers, which was uh, very impressive, I think, cause he didn't do any, anything besides that. And then now um, he's at 1.4 million on his American channel. And I think the second largest uh, fragrance reviewers is around, let me guess, like 60, 70,000 K somewhere. And just so you kind of get the, the split there. So that, was, um, that really shows you, <laughs> if you uh, touch on what people really are, are curious about, then um, yeah, definitely there's potential for it.
1: Yeah, I think there's something really important there about how when you are interested in the topic, it's really easy to just kind of get into like the, the technical details and really dive into like the exotic ingredients that, that I think, uh, you know, lots of, um, probably other reviewers probably went down, but your brother decided to go down this route of what is the emotion? Like, what is the kind of the, the human elements of the, the experience maybe of the, the product? And he decided to touch on that more. How did you, how do you think that your brother came to this, this angle? Because it's not, is not super you know when you're thinking looking back on it kind of you know looking back on the success of it it's it's obvious that that this would care about but at the time how do you discover this 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 kind of angle
0: it was this typical story with him where he was looking for ways to better himself just become a better person. And then he stumbled along, you know, style, how to do your hair, how to dress yourself, and then also fragrances. He was always interested in fragrances. And he, he didn't find anything that would really just answer the question, okay, if I go to a date, uh, what fragrance do I wear to, to have the highest likability of uh, getting compliments from that fragrance? You know, I, I don't want to know the, the name that's exotic and all that flair behind that, that backstory, which is nice. But in essence, he was looking for a way to discover fragrances that just work and and do what they're supposed to in a specific situation. And that's basically what translates into fragrance one down the road.
1: Yeah. So tell us about that. So the YouTube channel was growing really quickly. I think you said 60,000 subscribers pretty quickly. And then this today I'm looking right now, 1.4, 1.41 million subscribers. At what point along this journey did you two look at each other and say, oh, maybe there is a potential to kind of build a business around this, this audience that this community that you're building?
0: So I think there were two, uh, two answers to that question. First, kind of point was when he uh, was really just going out or he had a girl in his office with the fragrance that he was reviewing it with her. And it was this reactions type video where I saw the response from the people in the comments. They just really loved it. So my suggestion, suggestion to him was to review other products based on their compliment factor. Let's say, okay, Uh, what's the complement factor of these shoes or this car and all that type of stuff. I'm glad he didn't take that idea, but that was kind of the first fork in the road where we noticed if you really focused on that factor and kind of visualize it to people, that's something that there seems to be something. And then um, down the line when we had, um, you know, he was growing his his channel and then I was uh, working on some other startups in the past. And uh, I was, thinking um to him and i was talking to him around 2017 that he should try to turn his influencer uh, career so to say uh, into an asset so that's basically the the besides that he also knows what really works so his market knowledge is there and it really helps but that's one thing that i see with a lot of influencers and i work with a couple other ones as well it's really just like a long gig type of, uh, work environment for them. And, um, I think it's really, uh, if you can make it somehow to create an asset out of your influence that works for you, then that's something really great. And obviously you have to create value for the customer along the line, otherwise it's not working. But that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize those influencers. Yeah, they, they look really nice on Instagram and YouTube, but it's a tough life. I mean, Uh, They have no health insurance for the most part. If you're in America, in Germany, you're kind of covered. But this is just one of those things. And you always have to work. If you stop working, there's no income, right? So that was the basic idea. And then I have to credit to Jeremy uh, with the concept that he really um, described Fragrance One as this brand that wants to lead the customer through the fragrance jungle, as we call it. Um, to kind of make it very easy and simple and effective for them to to purchase the fragrance that they need in a given situation.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of some of the the almost almost converting the highly technical world of of wine, right? Where there's so many ingredients, so many different right. ideas, and seeing some influencers come and just say what is good with what and what's good for what occasion. That's a lot of times the only answer, the only question people have. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And on that note as well, I'm basically the the proto customer in that regard because I don't trust my own nose. I mean, now I'm a little better at this whole thing. But back then, I would always just ask my brother, you know, can you recommend a fragrance for me because you're the expert? And it's not like I don't know what I like, but I don't know how well it plays in a certain situation. And then there's the difference between a uh, fragrance that lasts long versus not and a dry down and the an opening note, all these types of things. A lot of people don't really, um, it, it's almost like uh, you shy away from it because it's a little bit overwhelming if you're not in it. And that's what we
1: wanted to solve for. Right. I think when you are an expert, when you are coming out as the, as wanting to be a leading brand, a, a, a kind of a leader in the space of helping consumers, you kind of have to help them make the decision, right? You can't just throw all the options out there and then have them make the decision because they're probably not as equipped as you to help them make that decision. I think that helping bridge that gap, helping your consumers and your, your, your customers understand, or, you know make that journey as quickly as possible i think there's a lot of value there and i think you've proven that so we talked about the 1. 1.4 1.41 million subscribers from the channel tell us give us an idea of how big the business has grown since the, since the since beginning it
0: i mean we started with a pretty, pretty big bang if i can say so we um, even though we didn't really have to we went the crowdfunding route this is something that i was comfortable with from my previous uh, endeavors And also because I just wanted to gather a little bit more market data. So we started off and that's one of the key uh, steps in our business that really makes it for an interesting story. We pre-sold almost a million dollar worth of fragrance, uh, which is by the way, record breaking the second largest campaign I think is around $60,000 for fragrance. Um, And we pre-sold it without anybody ever smelling it. So we basically took the, um, the sense of smell out of the equation in a fragrance company, which shows you just the power of um, the why, basically. Why do I buy it? This is something that I have from my um, design thinking background, where people, they're often when they have a problem, they're just dis- describing the symptoms, meaning, you know, I want a fragrance that I really like, and then all these types of things. But what's the actual underlying uh, problem that they have, which is, in our case, at least for our customers, is I want more compliments, right? So we took that approach and we turned something that looked like a huge negative, which is nobody ever smelled the product into a big, uh, positive. And the way we did it was by basically, uh, well, first of all, quality comes first, right? We have no, um, uh, budget on the ingredients. We work with the best, uh, manufacturers in the world. We literally hired, uh, Michael Jackson, so to say, of the perfume world to collaborate with us. And my brother, because of his years long experience in what works, what doesn't, he was like the creative director of the fragrance. Uh, we use best bottles, best fillers in Germany. So that, that's all taken care of. But okay, what comes next is, I don't know how that thing smells. So then we went around and we thought, okay, we don't really, you don't really need to know how it smells. <laughs> Uh, the groundwork is done. It's a good fragrance and you're buying it because of the compliments you're going to get And that, uh, sense it was office for men, our first release. So if you're a guy and you want to get compliments in the office, this is what you wear. If you don't like the smell, that's okay, but that's not what you're buying it for in your mind, right? In the end, people really like the smell as well, but that's kind of what helped us a lot.
1: God. Okay, so I think there's a couple of things here too that, that that you've answered that I really want to unpack. So you mentioned first understanding why your consumers are are buying product. What what is the problem that they're trying to solve? How did you understand that? How did you? Because that's like a, a big step that I think that can be missed and kind of lead you down the wrong path for a long time. But how did you guys discover that the reason that it was compliments that people are looking for?
0: Right. It was basically uh, based off of the response from people to the YouTube channel and the social media channels before that. Um, So we were really thinking about how to create a brand that kind of incorporates the, the secret sauce that really set Jeremy Fragrance apart from all the other fragrance reviewers.
1: And then we tried to put that into a business idea. Got it. And this, this idea of the first launch with the product on Kickstarter, Office for Men, how did you know to focus on that, that, specific, that specific market, that specific use case? So
0: uh, Office for Men is a very long lasting fresh fragrance, which is kind of a safe bet. Uh, everybody likes fresh fragrance, right? Um, the problem with that often is that they don't last very long. Ours last so very long. And we just try to create the best product in that category with a very simple description. That's why it's called Office, right? Very simple. Uh, <laughs> no like extravagant uh, wording or anything. And I'm also, I have to credit my brother that he didn't really put more ego into the, into the, for scent, because and what I mean by that is, he didn't make a twist to kind of make it very recognizable to be him. Um, he really focused on the mission of that fragrance. So he worked with Alberto Morillas, who's the perfumer. He was working on like all kinds of uh, fragrances that you know, the CK One, Dolce Gabbana, Armani, Bulgari, all that type of stuff. And usually, those big brands they just hire a perfumer like this guy. And just give him free range. But my brother, uh, I don't know how he did it, but they had literally like 40 to 50 uh, feedback loops to kind of improve the fragrance to what he wanted to, you know, hone in on. And that's what it was in the end. So that's why we went with the fresh fragrance because it was really a compliment getter that lasts long. And, uh, yeah, and that was before, before COVID. So now we are kind of having this internal joke where we call it home office for men.
1: <laughs> I like that. So w- once you knew this problem, right, that, that your, your customers wanted more compliments, the next step is how do you convince the, the, the backers in this case for Kickstarter that your product was the right answer to the, to that problem of wanting more compliments? What, what, what elements did you put into the, the campaign that, that demonstrated that this was the right choice for them?
0: Uh, during the campaign, we obviously focused on those key pillars, like I said, uh, um, you know, the, the, in, um, sorry, the perfumer, the ingredients that have no budget, the best uh, manufacturers in the world, and my brother's knowledge based on his work previously uh, to being in the market, really going through thousands of hours of um, asking people what works, what doesn't, what works in what situation, what doesn't. And, uh, th- so this package basically, uh, eliminated all, a lot of the questions that people would have prior to backing a campaign like that. So you really make them feel comfortable. Like if, uh, you know, you try to answer all the questions they might have beforehand and then you make it easy for them.
1: And th- 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 those, an- those questions, like how did you know those are the questions? Like, was it, just, what kind of research were you doing to understand that these were probably questions that needed to be answered on the campaign?
0: Right. So, I mean, I, for us, maybe it was just because we're kind of in it, uh, but it seemed very simple. What is somebody asking, right? I mean, first, we're looking at our demographics of our audience. Um, so that basically puts the fragrance into a certain price range that we can get away with that makes sense. And what can you do with that? Um, and then also the obvious thing is a lot of people ask when you're thinking of buying a fragrance, you ask, well, I like it um but the thing is you can't answer the question unless you smell the fragrance even just to be honest with you even i didn't smell the final version because i was in new york at that time and my brother was in switzerland working on the final version of the product so we eliminated this basic question of do i like the fragrance uh and we transformed it into do i want compliments right and am i willing to trust uh jeremy and his um experience with that and that was basically the the number one question that people have when they buy a fragrance right do i like it but it's not do i like the fragrance but do i like what it does for me
1: makes sense now this all started because you had mentioned that you you were talking to Jeremy about how do you turn this influencer career basically into an asset. You had mentioned that a lot of influencer or their their you know their job is it feels like a, a long gig. I think it's really an insightful way to put it. Where it's kind of a you're always working for a paycheck, and when you stop working, you stop getting paid. And the first step was to turn it into an asset. What are the very first steps here? Because you, once you, once you have a community, once you have a, a following, how do you even know what I think maybe, maybe in this case, it makes sense, right? Fragrance, uh, influencer, create your own fragrance, but were there other steps involved to determine that what, what kind of business to, 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 start? What kind of product to sell?
0: Um, yes. I mean, I, I always like to start with something that's called a, a business canvas. When I work on a new project, um, maybe some folks can look this up. It's basically, uh, one sheet that visualizes the entire concept um, that, uh, you can adapt over time based on your findings. You know, you, you kind of make a suggestion of what you want it to be. Then you question yourself and, and all your resources that you have. And then based on that, you adjust the, uh, adjust it. And then at some point you really have to get moving. But one crucial thing that I can really recommend is, um, and like you said, it's already been solved because of his influencer arm when you start a business, you always have to either, uh, have your own audience or work with somebody or some entity that owns your customers, because I find it's very, uh, it's easy to put ads up online and think that you'll build an audience just like that, but it's very, uh, it costs a lot of money and time if you really want to do it from scratch. So that's why I always recommend working with someone in some regard that already owns your customer base in some form.
1: Makes sense. So. Well, one thing that you had mentioned to to us was that when you were going through these these iterations for creating the product, you said that Jeremy went through forty feedback loops. Was it all done with with him, or was it was there some kind of like um, beta testing group that that you also ran this against? Like what were the steps to kind of create that final product? Yeah,
0: so usually from my background, I'm always used to this lean approach, you know, where you don't build something until you test it a couple of times. <laughs> I don't, but unfortunately with this thing, but maybe for the better, um, we completely relied on Jeremy's experience, uh, which is something that you really have to know what you're doing because obviously you're putting a lot of time and money on the line, but in this regard, it was something that we really just wanted to, um, get through this way because of his experience. And, uh, also when you were trying to help the, your customers with finding, something that they need in a specific situation, it, it might not be the best to get too much feedback, uh, especially with something that's so subjective like a fragrance. Cause oftentimes what can happen is again, people might um, not really focus on the mission of the business, which is to get people compliments versus, Hey, I like this smell. Maybe I don't like this smell. And you know, you can never really uh, satisfy everyone, but if you try to, then you won't satisfy anybody. So that way, we didn't do this the lean way. Uh, we really uh, had Jeremy and Alberto Maria sit together, and they were just going back and forth, back and forth, doing the feedback loops.
1: Got it. So after a Kickstarter, this is as a Kickstarter campaign, almost one million pre-sold. What were the, the the next steps to to getting to to fulfilling on those all those orders?
0: Yeah, that was uh, one of our biggest struggles, uh, to be honest with you, because Jeremy uh, wanted uh, to have worldwide shipping, which is kind of a pain um, when you're working with a product that contains alcohol. Uh, It's a dangerous good. And uh, we had a lot of hurdles to jump over. And oftentimes we had to pay on top of what we like. We didn't make a lot of money with the Kickstarter campaign because of that because we had uh, a lot of duties to pay, obviously certain countries, they don't let you, um, fly in that stuff at all unless you have the right documentation. So we, but, but, the, and we were really trying to run before we learned how to walk in a certain way cause we wanted to push ourselves. And we just knew that, um, because fragrance has a big margin compared to other products, uh, it's, it has to be possible. So we'll figure it out when we get there. Uh, it was a little bit of a leap of faith, but uh, we learned a lot, let me say it that way, because, uh, again, it was a little bit difficult to fulfill everything, and Kickstarter campaigns can be a little bit um, problematic afterwards. Uh, let's say like around 10% of the customers, don't their bank doesn't work or their credit card is blocked or something like that. So you, you basically take 10% off of that off the top, then I think Kickstarter takes another 7%. Um, so, yeah, that was the biggest struggle. And then once we had this figured out, we were starting to work with a fulfillment partner that uh, we have now. Uh, we have a warehouse in the Netherlands and one in New Jersey. And uh, from there on, it just, uh, yeah, smooth sailing. We started our uh, Shopify store. I, that was in March 2019, I believe. And yeah, it's been going since then.
1: Yeah, talk to us about that transition from from the kind of pre-sale mode and fulfillment mode to now setting up your own your own platform to continue selling this on an ongoing basis.
0: Yeah, so we treated it like a, two separate projects, basically. Because you have different obligations to the backers of a campaign, even legally, but um, just morally as well. And it, just logistically, we just wanted to have this finished off. And then we would um, obviously, well, we have a loyalty program now. So we included the people that backed us uh, back then into the Shopify system, gave them compliments. We have this compliment club, right, um, that they can trade in for dollars. And uh, that was basically it. It was really just finding the right partners. We were working with, let me guess, I think three or four logistics partners up until this point. And the last one we've been sticking with them, Uh, they're called Sales Supply. They've been really great and it's really important to find the right people. Also, when you have a product like this, um, just because of this uh, problem with the alcohol content, we really had to work with someone uh, during the worldwide shipping phase that could just get things done meaning that they know how to label certain things just to have less uh, hurdles along the way. And oftentimes, uh, just an example, you know, those big companies, we, we had enough of orders to really work with DHL in Germany, for example. So they set up a meeting and they <laughs> we, we come together. And then the first thing they say, oh, wait a second, you guys ship fragrance? We can not ship fragrance. <laughs> like, what? Wow. So it, it's kind of weird in that sense. So you really have to... Um, do you do diligence with the partners that you work with?
1: Yeah. So nowadays, how, how do you how do you acquire new customers? Now that you know the the is it just strictly through the YouTube channel or what other ways have you you found that works to acquire new customers to to the brand? We did
0: uh, paid advertisement before. We were working with a really cool agency out of New York. Um, however, the problem is it's and it's a good problem in a sense that every time when jeremy posts a video that um, we decide on that mentions the brand or we have some sort of like a contest or something like that to engage customers into the brand it completely wipes out all the um the results from any paid advertisement campaign so we've been mostly going organically We're also on TikTok. We have a newsletter that converted really well during the campaign, by the way. And we use that every once in a while. I started a Discord, which is the biggest uh, fragrance Discord now, the Fragrance Army. And um, yeah, so we're trying to go as organic as possible just because of the fact that, you know, I could either pay uh, for a pre-roll video on YouTube or I could just uh, edit a video for my brother and squeeze in like a five second pre-roll myself, right? So one out of all things uh, that we tried out, I think one of the the best magnets right now is this "Before You Buy" series. This is a playlist on his channel where we're basically just talking about other fragrances and then we just mention our brand before or after. But it's really it's just giving people more value and. Um, you know, we have this little sponsored by fragrance one and then top left, but that's pretty much what it is. So we're trying to
1: go organic ways to answer your question. Got it. Yeah. I think that there's this, this like constant balance between just straight up content. And on one end and with no selling and on the other end is like hard selling your product how do you find that balance of what works when you want to of course you know, keep this authenticity Rex. Right? i think on youtube and any any platform where you're showing your, your face a lot a lot of people that's a big kind of element to it. how do you make sure that that's balanced well where people aren't coming to your channel and feeling oh this is bi- a biased right review or something like that how, yeah. do you, how do you make sure that's balanced
0: no totally understand it The one thing that Jeremy clarified from the beginning um, is that he will never compare our brand directly in uh, with other brands, meaning when he has a top 10 best fragrances for the summer, he might mention fragrance one in, uh, you know, somewhere along the lines, but he's not putting it in the top 10 list. So that way he can kind of stay out of this because it's, yeah, like you say, you only have one reputation and, Obviously, you can't be tainted, but you have to be transparent. And he's very transparent with the brand. He talks about the pricing of it. He talks about how much it costs. And also, um, you know, every once in a while, he throws in a BOGO or some kind of other discount that really works well.
1: Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Got it. Now, once you have a, a customer for the first time, or what, what do you what do you do to to encourage these repeat purchases? I think like the, a product like fragrance can last months to to a year, so you know a good amount of time passes from that first purchase. How do you how do you encourage a repeat purchase?
0: Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm actually very surprised. We have about thirty thirty five percent of repeat customers so far, and my wife and I we're like when we buy a bottle of fragrance, it lasts for a long time, but. Um, Jeremy is just very um, energetic and he, how can I say, eccentric, almost in a way very polarizing. And he has all these spray routines. He says, you know, spray it five, six times, seven (laughs) times if you want. So the the bottle ends up fast. But um, we're always keeping the people engaged um, and also we're uh, not shy with discounts and all kinds of announcements. We released a lot of fragrance in a short time we have i would say six and a half products one is a deodorant based on the on the office um which is a lot because we're only in the market for a couple of years right and every launch is uh, quite expensive and usually brands take much longer they just refine what they already have they reformulate it in a certain way but we we really uh we give um our customers something new every once in a while. And, and they're always excited to kind of stay on track. And obviously it's important to just stay on their mind. And that's why I like those, uh, content pieces like the, before you buy videos, because that always, uh, reminds them, Hey, you know, this is, I was interested in that fragrance and Jeremy also has his own thing. So I might check it out see what's going on. One of the other things that also helps a lot is recently we started this, uh, compliment club, which is a loyalty program. Uh, that's one of the apps that I wanted to mention later on. And, um, it's been really helpful. Uh, Yeah.
1: Awesome. And so the things with this with this partnership between you and your brother Jeremy have, have you know, we've talked we've been talking so far it worked out well. One thing you had mentioned to us though that working with family can be a blessing and a curse. And I think this is something that everyone knows to some degree right about some horror story about working with a, a, a friend or a family member and things not going the right way, even though sometimes the partnership can make sense. So tell us more about this. Like based on your experience, what are some of the kind of pros and cons and specifically what are some ways to to make sure that it it's the right thing to do or that, that you can navigate this, this kind of journey together successfully.
0: Yeah. So it's really important, just like with other partnerships, you you need to uh, set the right expectations and also the the communication needs to really flow. It's hard to have these implied contracts that happen much more often within family, meaning um, I do something, and then I expect something else to happen without really communicating it. I think that's the crux of the, the problem oftentimes. And then uh, obviously have a clear role. My brother is this very energetic, very um, open, creative type of person, and I'm more in the background, you know, I like to pull the strings and strategize, you know, and and kind of plan ahead. So I'm always pulling and he's always pushing. And it's, it's a good thing if you can contain it, but it can also lead to some internal problems sometimes, you know, when he uh, wants to go with a crazy discount, but I'm like, wait, man, you have to also consider the people they that bought the product before that, like you have to create a balance where people are not upset. So we're always structuring our bundles in a way where people are okay with that. But that's basically it. It really comes down to communication and, um, understanding what, what, what's the outcome for each individual in there. And also keeping yourself accountable. Oftentimes when you work with friends and family, you know, people tend to slack off after a while and it's very difficult to have that conversation with them because they're family, right? So you don't want to mess up that relationship and um, that's something that the expectations part really plays a big role in.
1: Yeah. It almost sounds like these kind of problems that, that you face when you're working with family or friends, the same problems you, you face when you're working with people that are not family and friends, it's just that you let the boundaries kind of dissipate more you let it go longer because of what you're saying. It's kind of a, a, a harder conversation to have when there's, right. you know, a, a layer of the relationship that's involved. So are there things that you've, you've learned to do either formally, like every week, we, we, we do certain things a certain way to make sure that we do establish these kind of boundaries where there's expectations and the one thing I really liked about what you said about communication was that the breakdown happens when you do something and then expect something else to happen, either your your partner uh, to to do something back or to respond in a certain way, but um, it doesn't happen. How do you make sure that that's kind of uh, contained? it's
0: um, it's really about the roles and uh it's kind of like a routine almost It even comes down to start sending each other invoices. You know, it starts, it sounds simple, but it really is part of the thing. So I have this uh, media company that basically sends them an invoice every month and we're basically going through, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what I did. This is what you did in a very informal sense, but you need to just have those routines that kind of keep you on track and you know, really make you realize, hey, we're working on a business together here. But on the other side, I also want to say that there's huge upsides when you work with somebody that you can really trust because you can trust them. And, you know, when the, when the business doesn't do so well every once in a while, you know, you have each other's back. And that's huge in business.
1: Yeah. And a couple, couple of quotes that I've pulled from other kind of interviews you've done that I really want to dive into because I think they really stood out was one of them that you said was that uh, a mentor told you this, which was that you can go broke as often as you want until you're 50. Tell us more about that. Tell us about <laughs> okay. A that little bit of context. That was back in Germany
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, things change now. I don't recommend that to anybody, but it was just something where, you know, when you grew up in Germany, um, you have a very different mindset. You don't really have this entrepreneurial mindset. What he meant by that basically is saying to go out in the world and see what you like and try out different things and don't worry about it because in the end, if you really stick to, um, something that you like, then there's a high likelihood that you'll figure out the money part. So that, that was basically the idea. And, you know, coming from, from this upbringing where you're really, Once you leave school, you you almost have your entire life life planned out. You know when you'll retire, uh, going off in the world and doing something on your own is very kind of a strange journey from that perspective. So that really stuck with me in a way. When I was, uh, you know, I was living in Hawaii and (laughs) I was a beach bum, like I said um, before, and I was trying out different things. Uh, I was working on really big startups, big companies, but I also, you know. you know, I was always happy to try out new things because I knew I still have some time, and it worked out.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think. One, I think it's still a, va- a really valid um, point. I mean, the logistics behind going broke a bunch of times—that's no. I don't think. I don't think what we're getting. I think the point that that I pulled out of it was that you know, don't worry so much about all the missed shots or the the failures, and don't spend so much time looking backwards. And it sounds like you've gone through lots of kind of. Phases in, in your in your journey to get to this point. How do you make sure that you aren't so focused on rear view mirror or so focused on on the failures and always making sure that you can pull yourself back on the path?
0: I just think that it really, um, it, if you frame it in a different way where you're almost like a video game character that creates some new skill by failing, right? So you need to... Uh, just learn from what you did and what worked, what didn't. If The only problem I really have is when you don't learn something from your mistakes, and then it's a waste of time. And um, that, that's really how I frame it. And that's why also I would not want to change anything that happened in the past because it really led me to where I am today. So it, it's really something that, that's important and it's valuable. You can't get to... Your finish line without um you know hiccups that just doesn't happen
1: yeah i think i think that the idea that this is not the it's not the end of the story each time too is important that oh this failure is not the end right that you have all these other chances um and one, one thing you also had mentioned in, in previously was about how you make sure to surround yourself with the people that you want to become tell us more about that like what what does that mean for you
0: yeah, it's really that simple. Um, just an example. When I moved to the States, I I never really spoke English before. It's a very simple example, but I learned it in school, right? But speaking it and applying it is different than just learning it. So I was a student and there was a lot of other German uh, students, but I would never hang out with them outside of school because I really wanted to learn how to speak English properly. And I still try to keep a little bit of my German Accent, (laughs) but you know, I, I think I did pretty well compared to my others, uh, other friends from Germany that would just hang out with other Germans. Right. And that's just based on language now, but the same thing really applies to any other, uh, area in your life. If you want to become an entrepreneur, then, you know, join networking meetings with other entrepreneurs. I personally, I started, uh, um, I worked on a startup ecosystem in Hawaii back in the day where I would uh, meet with a lot of VCs and people from Silicon Valley and from China and all that type of stuff. So really it's that simple. If you want to become someone um, or you have this persona with a certain skill set that you like to approximate yourself to, then just try to reach out to those people and try to also create some sort of a value exchange, not just hanging out with them, but you know, there's always something that you can do that they can't, and you just have to figure out what that is so that you're becoming part of that group.
1: Mm, makes sense. I, I think a big part of it is just um, one other thing you mentioned too is around how there really is no magic trick, right? There's no secret way to, to 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 you know, getting to your goals. And that what I get out of that is that there's, you just kind of have to work at it. So tell us more about that. What are some things that, obstacles that, that you had faced along the way where you're like, this is pretty a pretty, pretty, pretty big obstacle. And like, what are some, what, what, what are are some examples of things you've done to kind of figure it out? Um,
0: I think that a lot of times in today's world, people are really looking for the shortcut type of, uh, approach to business. And I'm not saying that you can't be lucky or anything, but counting on that is a little bit difficult. So I would just really, um, I'm not a big fan of working hard, but I'm a fan of working smart. So what I mean when I say there's no magic trick is that really everything, especially in today's world, is available to you, especially I think people should read more books and biographies, especially because that basically helps you go through the journey of somebody else and avoid some mistakes. Maybe you get inspiration from what they did. Um so that that's that um, when I mean there's no magic trick, uh, and what was your question about the yeah
1: j- just some examples of things that that you just kind of that that seem like overnight successes maybe for you or obstacles that uh, that you had overcome by just kind of figuring it out
0: uh, I mean some of my previous um, projects that I worked on uh, some of them had included uh, like a gadgets that we put also on, on Kickstarter and all that, but we were working on, uh, we didn't really build them, but we were more like a front, uh, for another manufacturer to sell it. And that was almost something that, um, felt too easy. And it was in the end, cause you don't really have any, um, say about the manufacturing process and the quality control and all that type of stuff. So it might seem easy, Um, but then there is a hiccup because the product hits the customer and then you, you're basically just sitting there and you can't do anything because you're the face of the company. And, uh, that, that was one of the things that, um, that I wouldn't do again. And that's why I'm happy that we're with fragrance one. It's just not just Jeremy's face on something. We're really, we're sourcing every little detail of the product. And uh, yeah, does that answer your question in that regard? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So I want to talk a little about the, the website now. So you had mentioned to us that one of the uh, key features of uh, getting customers return, I think, is with the loyalty program. Tell us more about that. What, what, what apps are you using and how do you use them?
0: The loyalty program is relatively new. Uh, we're using the one that's called Smile Rewards. Uh, it has a really nice interface. Uh, I like how you can set up uh, what people get rewards for and and you know how you can kind of convert the we call it the currency is compliments in our store which kind of makes sense with the brand um yeah so we've been doing pretty well with that although the biggest impact that we had in terms of uh, uh apps was really the bundles that made a lot of sense because uh, like i mentioned before our fragrances we know they're relatively pricey uh, especially for our audience that comes with jeremy's um, Uh, subscribers, but we try to, uh, since it's a direct to customer business, we're happy to give discounts here and there. So when you're following the brand and following our uh, social media outlets, then there's always a good chance that you'll, you know, you'll be part of like a giveaway, or maybe you get like a buy one, get one free. Um, And that's also enticing for people to kind of stay in touch with us on Instagram or, or somewhere else. Um, but yeah, the bundles uh, was a big deal because that basically helps in, uh, the justify spending a couple of hundred dollars on you know, a couple of products in that regard. And uh, for that, we used the one from Thematic and uh, UFE cross-sell and upsell, something I just started a couple of days ago. I really like their interface. I, wa- I was always wondering why you guys at Shopify don't have a bundle function that's integrated.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've, I've been hearing more and more from entrepreneurs that are doing this, like bundling, being that the big the difference maker. That I, especially when it comes to 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 products that people you know, maybe don't have as much knowledge as possible that they just want an answer, okay, what do I what's what's everything that I need to mm-hmm. to solve this problem and you've you've pieced it together for them. So tell, tell us more about like how you decide to bundle like what what is it putting together all the products? Is it putting putting together specific product products? How do you know what to bundle for your customers? We just
0: basic uh, it depends on whether there is uh, something like Valentine's Day or uh, International Women's Day, you know, or maybe a date bundle where we have the date for men and night for women fragrance put together. So it's more situational. Um, how can people apply it? What makes sense in their eyes? We also have uh, fragrance candles. Uh, one is called Movie Night, and then we have the date the uh, for men, the night for women, and the Movie Night candle. Right. So the, those are kind of the thought processes that go in when we decide on the bundle. And we also, we're open for suggestions on the discord. For example, we are asking people and we get all kinds of requests and we had a couple of bestseller bundles uh, that were generated by our community
1: amazing so fragrance.one is the website and i leave you this last question what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you or that maybe the company has learned over the past year that you want to apply moving forward
0: i can't stress enough to really figure out what the customer is trying to solve and that's been said oftentimes before but it's really so important Uh, That's really the essence of why our business is working, because we're focusing on the true why am I buying this fragrance. And it also goes to show you that uh, during this last year that, you know, you would think, or at least I was thinking at the beginning of last year when everybody was home, uh, why would people buy fragrance? But it really is not just to even, um, not only compliments, that's one thing that we knew, but a new thing that we found out, we actually grew by 40% last year is people buy fragrances because it makes them feel better. You know, when you put on a fragrance, if you're, even if you're at home, you're getting into a different mode. You know, when you're on a zoom meeting, you put on a suit, or even when you just work from home, I suggest to really dress up nicely as if you would go to the office and it puts you into a different mode. So if you can tap into that, this emotion and the real problem that your product may solve for the customers,
1: I think then you're good. Amazing. So again, fragrance.one is a website. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your experience, Camille. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.